Today I'm going to talk about a man whose story we all know from the Bible. And his name is Jonah. And he's known as the man who got swallowed by the fish. Today, I want to focus not so much on what happened in the fish and after the fish. I'm going to focus pre-fish. You get where I'm going? So, the book of Jonah, if you don't know, has very few chapters. Basically, there's pre-fish, there's fish, and after fish. So, pre-fish was when he runs away from God. Fish was when God says, come and listen to me, obey, and puts him in his place. After fish or post-fish was when Jonah went and do God's work, but then somehow he still felt that what God was doing wasn't right, and he made a tantrum and did a lot of things. And it was a very, very funny scene between a grown man squatting down, looking down at a city and a plant growing on top of him and a plant dying. So if you want to read more about that, go to the Bible, right? We're not going to cover that. We're going to cover pre-fish. So the title of my sermon today is The Man Before the Fish. The Man Before the Fish. Man, come, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Father, we pray that even as we sit and as we are all here, Father, we pray that there will be open hearts and open ears to your voice. Father, we pray that God, each and every one of us will encounter you and will see you and will gain something that will transform our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Jonah. Now, you all know that our church, we have a lot of medical students and medical doctors. So the name Jonah to them actually means something. Ah, you see, these are the people who mix around with doctors too much. Either that or their CG members are doctors, that's why they got no choice. You see, Jonah to medical personnel, or at least in Malaysia, means that whenever they're on shift, they are the person who will bring in the worst shift. Like basically, when they are on schedule, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And whatever has gone wrong will go even wronger. <laughs> and they call it Jonah. And you see, Jonah, I won't say he's like the magnet for bad luck. A lot of things, this guy, this man, really brought upon himself. So today we want to go to Jonah. Let's dive into chapter 1. And that's all we're going to cover, just chapter 1. Jonah 1, verse 3. Basically, 1 and 2 was when God said, hey, you need to go to Nineveh, you need to do this. And verse 3 was Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Alright. Can we bring up the map? Basically, Jonah was here. God asked him to go there. But for him, he went all the way here. You see, right? 
this to us with flights, AirAsia, it's like everyone can fly, right? But you have to remember, at that time, from there to here, it's like going around the world a few times and coming to that end of the world. And literally, Tashish was known as the end of the world. Because beyond that, no one has really explored anything yet at that time. So the decision for Jonah to say, all right, I'm not going there, but I'm taking the boat that goes the furthest away from where God wants me to go, says something. Pay attention to verse 3. He went down to Joppa and found a ship. So, he paid the fare. He paid the fare. You see, going a journey that distance, don't you think it will cost quite a fair bit? You know, we were talking about flight tickets today. We were talking about uh, flight tickets to Russia. The flight tickets to Russia were really cheap this time. And it was good that the team was able to go. And for Jonah, there was no like, AirAsia discount sale or mega sale or Mata Fair where he could get a cheap ticket. You see, for him to be able to pay for the furthest ship available, and at that time, literally to the ends of the earth, that's going to cost quite a fair bit. But you see, somehow the Bible writes there, he paid the fare. It's like so nonsensical, like why must the Bible add that particular verse? There must be a reason why the Bible says he paid the fare. You see, there's something I feel that we can learn from that particular action. What I think is this. Jonah, when he paid the fare, he must have assumed that, hey, maybe it was God's providence. Maybe it was God saying, ah, okay, maybe it's all right for you to, you know, divert a bit. You see, Jonah's provision was not an approval that it was God's plan. See, having good circumstances around us does not mean we are in God's plan. There is a danger when we are guided by circumstances. You see, if we live our life or if we live our spiritual life by just looking on the outside, what we see on the outwards, it's very easy to find God in everything. Believe me, you want to find God in the wrongest sin, sure, there is an excuse to do something. Right? You know, someone asked me, you know, John, I'm praying for something. You know, I, I really don't know whether God is saying yes or God is saying no. But I really, you know, I really hope that God says yes. So I told the person, you know, in KL, there used to be this sign. It's a huge sign of a telecom company that I don't know whether it's still around. And the company is called Yes. So every time you pass by that junction, right, you will see the word yes. So if you want God to answer your prayer, right, just go past that junction and confirm you will see the sign Yes. You see, it's very easy to say, oh, God told me this. Oh, God, I'm not sure whether I should do this. I'm not sure if I should, you know, 
quit my studies and not do anything and just wait on you, Lord. Then you walk Bukit Bintang, Sunny. Yes. Okay. You see, you want to nitpick and simply, in our circumstances, justify or simply give a reason why we are in it, that God has placed us here. It's very easy to do it because we're just looking on our circumstances. And that's the danger of it. Just like Jonah, he paid the fare. He could afford it. But it doesn't mean that he was in God's plan. God may have allowed Jonah to board the ship, but the storm and the big fish was ahead of him. See, Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things. You see, our environment affects us. Our environment adds to us. Our environment builds us in a sense. But you see, our environment can be our catalyst to move in God. But it should not be our constant factor of why we should move in God. Do you get where I'm going? Our environment can be our catalyst. But why we should do should not be our environment. You see, our lives, we are to live according to God's Word. Bear with me, Psalms 119 verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Basically, God is saying the Word is going to light your way. The Word of God is going to light your footsteps. The Word of God is going to illuminate where you're going to go in Him. He's going to show you God's plan in Him. That's the Word of God. And so we are not to live by the environment or circumstances that we are in, but to live by the Word. Our environment is our catalyst, but our core must be the Word. See, shift gears a bit. The church cannot be like Jonah. The church cannot just live by its circumstances, its nice building, nice lights. The church is still a church when we were back then in Subang Business Centre with the broken down lift. The church was still a church when we were in that house when Harvest Generation first started with six people. The church will still be a church when everything that we have right here is gone, but we still have each other as a fellowship, worshipping and praising God. You see, we cannot build church according to what is happening around us. We cannot build church to what, okay, number one, obviously we cannot build church to what other people is doing. Everyone have their own journey. Fine, that's fine. But we cannot build church to how things are going for our church. You know, we have moved in to Lot 17. Guys, the entire half a year was, last year was just crazy. And the first half of this year just went by quick. We were settling in and I feel like, honestly, church is different now. We are on another level, it's another gear. But you see, we cannot let these changes dictate our passion for building church. The environment that church is in or the people that comes into church cannot dictate how well we want to build church. 
or how crazy we are in saying, come on, we're going to just go crazy for God. You see, our environment will change, but the Word of God will not. Take for example this. You walk into a room or you walk into this hall, and today it's raining, it's cold, it's cold. And you feel the temperature. And you feel the temperature, it's like, oh, it's very, very cold. But you see, you are only sensing your surroundings. You see, a thermometer would measure the environment. But a thermostat will be able to change the environment. You see, the thermostat works differently from a thermometer. The thermometer is just there to tell you how things are. But a thermostat is there to be an agent of change. So you see, if we just live our lives or we build church just like thermometers, if it's hot, we'll go hot. If it falls down and it goes cold, everyone goes cold. But it's not supposed to be like that. You see, when we build church, when we build church, we are meant to be that cutting edge. We are meant to, irregardless of what is happening, we continue building. You see, irregardless of whether or not people are coming for service, service will still go on. Irregardless how many people there are in prayer meeting, we will still pray. Irregardless whether the electricity will go out or the visuals will die, we will still sing our praises to God. We will still clap our hands. Irregardless if people come and leave church or if the other church down the road is doing better than us, we will still build. We are happy for them. We build the kingdom of God together. You see, the word of God says this. Build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Build the church. So it doesn't matter what goes and comes. We must continue to build. We must continue to stay focused. Alright? Let's go back to Jonah. Jonah 1, verse 4 to 5. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Verse 6, So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, from verse 4 all the way to verse 5, it's quite a sad thing. Basically, the sailors on the ship, the mariners, they didn't have the real God that Jonah had. But yet, they were doing all that they can. They were literally throwing cargo off and they were literally praying to God. Basically, moving heaven and moving earth just to stay alive. You see, they were doing everything that they can. 
to save the ship, to save the people on the ship. But where was Jonah? He was in the lowest parts of the ship. In another version of the Bible, it says, in the belly of the ship. So this guy went from the belly of the ship to the belly of the fish. See, church, are we to be like Jonah? Are we to be like sleeping Christians who are hiding in the belly of the ship? You know what we can learn from that? Potential. Jonah was called by God. There was a calling and an anointing and a gifting and a talent that is upon him. Number one, he ran away from God. That's fine. But number two, in an environment where it was so difficult, where it was so devastating, where people who didn't even know God were already doing something and were moving and were praying to their God, Jonah was found to be sleeping. You see, church, we cannot be found to be sleeping Christians. Each and every one of us have a talent, have a gifting, have a potential that we can be. But a lot of times, we hide in the belly of the ship, not wanting to do anything. You see, sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes we get fed up with what's going on. With God's call upon my life. Yes, I understand. But sometimes it's just easier to just fall asleep and to lay there hiding and pretend that nothing is going on. Jonah had a huge potential in his life. He buried that potential in the depths of the ship. See, potential is only potential when it is put into practice. Potential is only potential when it has a purpose. You see, it's not just about doing something or serving in church. God has placed a calling upon your life. And so many, so many people are purposefully ignoring it because they are safe being sleeping Christians in the church. Not only are we sometimes sleeping in service, we are sleeping in the church as a whole. We are hiding out amongst people because we feel that, hey, the church is doing something, I'm doing something. No, God has a call upon your life. What are you doing about it? Come on, it's time to wake up. If you know you have a talent and a gifting, or if you are serving in church already, but if you are not honing or sharpening that gift to be the most cutting-edge gifting and talent that you have, then you are a sleeping Christian. If there is a calling upon your life and you are not doing anything about it, then you are a sleeping Christian. Your potential that God has given to you it's not wasted because you didn't do anything about it. It's wasted because you could have served the entire ship, all the other sailors who didn't know anything about what you have. You could have made an impact. 
Sometimes that calling, sometimes all you need to do is that one word. It's that one sentence. It's that one prayer with that one someone who you meet on Sunday. Church, this is a challenge to you. God is calling each and every one of you. Don't be sleeping Christians. Church, you need to be awake. You need to be focused. The world is literally moving heaven and earth to engage the next generation, to engage this generation, to engage whatever generation that has come and gone or is to come. The world is literally moving heaven and earth. The church cannot be caught sleeping. The church of a future must be a church of potential. Because the church is filled with people of potential. People that God has placed right here to do certain tasks, certain giftings, and certain talents. Are we up to the task? The days where the church is found to be asleep must end. The church must unleash potential. You see, Jonah knew what he had to do, but he did not want to do it. Some of us, sometimes we feel that we don't know what to do, and you're asking God what to do, and you're waiting for what to do to come before you do that what you need to do. Then you go back to the first point. Aren't you living by what is around us? What is around you? What is happening to you? The Word of God is clear. The Word of God says that you are to go and make disciples of Malaysia, Subang Jaya. To go and make disciples of all nations. Church, we cannot be a, a church that holds back on our potential. Okay, I think that church has to be a place where it is not boxing up people. You see, this year when we came into Lot 17, you know, in my role as a church staff, sometimes I look into yeah, all sorts of funny, funny things. <laughs> but amongst others is also to make sure that whatever ministries can run, whatever help that they need, I'm there. Whatever things need to run in church runs. And there is something that I begin to see this year that is specific to our church, which is there are people who are serving in areas where there is no ministry or there is no team. You know, today, um, those of you who came for morning prayer and you had breakfast outside, you know, there is a team of aunties who are cooking breakfast for people who are unable to go out. Come on, you can do better than that. <coughs> the noodles were good today, okay? The noodles were good. <laughs> There's a group of aunties. And one of them was Pastor's mom. And initially, she was not on the list to serve. 
When she found out, she moved heaven and earth. And she probably poked hell as well to get her name on the list to serve. She was awake, literally awake, waving the tongkat. You see, I am just a 30 plus year old guy who has not much experience in doing church. I'm not like the pastors who have, you know, plenty of experience. I'm not the reverence. I'm the irrelevant. (laughs) But for me personally, I'm sharing a very personal message today. And I feel that for me personally, church, the church that that we are building should not confine people to the teams that we set for people. It cannot be like, oh, uh, our church, uh, y'all got usher, got worship team. Uh, oh, if you know how to sing, uh, worship team. Can play instrument, worship team. Do not know how to sing, usher. Huh? Cannot greet also. Uh, you go hospitality. Huh? Cannot also. Uh, uh, then uh, we will find somewhere. Kids Gen. <laughs> no, our Kids Gen teachers are awesome, okay? The one teacher, 20 kids. I don't know how they handle I respect. I dare not go near Kids Gen. <laughs> What I'm saying is this. It's time we stop putting a box on the giftings of people. Because when we start to do that, we're putting a box on God's ability. You see, each and every person has a unique talent and gifting. And I believe that the church has barely scratched the surface of what the people that the church is, what they contain. We have barely scratched the surface. So many people here with so many different giftings, with so many talents. Hey, if you're good with accounts, who say you cannot serve God? If you're good at cooking, who say you cannot serve God? I have a group of people right here in this church. You saw that QR code thing? They literally wrote that program from scratch. Blank page, they wrote program line by line to come up with that. You see, Hey, we could have bought that program off from US probably about 3,000 ringgit a year. But these guys are saying, hey, we see a need. Hey, we're going to meet it. I cannot do much, but I love writing codes. So come, whatever you need to digitize, call me. Basically, in my WhatsApp, there's this WhatsApp chat group which says tech team, HD tech team. Yeah, and every problem we go to them is, they come up with the solutions that I don't even understand how to. I was like, okay, never mind, you come to church, then you show me how. (laughs) But you see, what I'm saying is this, don't limit your potential. I'm not just saying in church, in your workplace, outside. What are you doing with what you have? Can you do more? Or are you hiding in that ship? Sleeping, just comfortable with your environment, knowing that, hey, everyone else is moving heaven and earth, but it's okay. I'm good, I'm fine. I'm not stressing out, but here I am. Has God called you for more? Right there, some of you, you know it. Because God has spoken to you before, and you have brushed that aside. The church must unleash potential. Jonah 1 verse 10 to 16. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? 
For the men knew that he fled from the presence of God because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. The man before the fish. He had multiple warning signs before this happened. And now it had come to this. See, according to some Bible scholars, at this point, Jonah had come to the end of himself. It was a complete surrender to God knowing that there was no use running away. You see, just like the sailors, the world will tell you no. See, Jonah offered, I am the reason why all of this is happening. All you need to do is throw me into the sea. See, even the sailors or the mariners knew that if they threw him overboard from the ship, they would be responsible in a sense for killing him. You see, the world will tell you that complete surrender is not necessary. The world will tell you that sometimes church is too much. Or better yet, sometimes your religion is too much. There are better ways than to throw yourself to God. Jonah was at a point of surrender. There was no other way about it. He was willing to die either to please God or for the sake of everyone on the ship. Knowing Jonah, it was probably to please God more than everyone on the ship. But he understood in his heart that that's it. Everything has to go. Everything has to go. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The church must continue to surrender. Number one, the church must not be affected by what is going on. The church must be grounded on the Word of God. Number two, the church must unleash potential. And number three, the church must continue to surrender. 
we can have the most knowledgeable people, theologically sound people, we can have the most talented people right here in the church. But if we don't have a church that surrenders to God repeatedly, surrendering and surrendering and surrendering everything that we have, there is no point for this to continue on to be a church. Sometimes I feel that it gets harder for myself to, in a sense, surrender. Because as you grow in church, you need to put in systems or you need to put in processes and you need to make sure that because you are no longer the one that is doing everything or you are no longer in charge of everything, you need to build teams to do things. And sometimes it's tough because sometimes surrendering to God means we need to throw out the entire order of service or we need to revamp a whole part of the church calendar and suddenly somehow there are like things happening in the calendar all of a sudden. And sometimes having more things in church feels like maybe that is what doing church is instead of actually coming and asking God, God, where are we going? Because sometimes coming to church can be like that. You come in, you do Sunday service, you serve, week in, second week you don't serve, you sit in service, you pray, you worship, you have the fellowship, but then you go off and then that's it. I feel that there is more to, to church than that. I feel that the surrender part of church, I was reading Acts um, in my quiet time a few weeks back, and the church then, right, they were crazy. It was just like a bunch of people who were in that one room, they had that one encounter with the Holy Spirit, and then like, they all just went, you know, Jesus crazy, and went all over and started just preaching about Jesus. And that was all they cared about. And, you know, literally they <laughs> broke bread. They went from house to house. They fellowship. They ate. Praise God. Moved to the next house. Broke bread. <laughs> fellowship. Eat. And did the same thing and the same thing. But that was how the church was. Simple surrender. The church is built upon people who will sacrifice, who will stand up and say that they will do the abnormal and they will do the unpopular for God. The church of the future must be a church that learns to surrender to God more than ever before. You see, surrendering to God is a big word. I cannot really explain to you what surrender means. But in your own way, somehow I hope God will reveal to you what surrendering to Him would mean. And that is really for you to find out. I cannot say that, oh, all of you must quit your job and come full time. That's surrendering to God. It's not. 
I think surrendering to God sometimes is really going against the flow, doing the unpopular, being the person who says no. You see, if you take all three points, it's easy in an environment where everything is going for you or everything is good, but somehow you know deep in your heart that you're there at that level that you need to step up in God already. And there's something bugging you, but you know that you're comfortable. But you see, if you live by your environment and you don't live by the Word of God, then you're just, like that, you're just going with the flow. And number two, you will continue to hide your potential because if your potential is not being stretched, your potential is not being poured out, it's only up to that point where your potential will always be. Yes, you might have already been in a somehow position, whether in church or outside, where because of your giftings and your talents, you are somewhere. But maybe right now, there is a stagnation or you feel already comfortable. But you know deep down that nagging that God has for you, that you know that there's more to do and you know that there is more to come. And I think surrendering is saying to God, like what we sang in that chorus which we repeated and repeated. God, come and do what you do. Here we are. Here I am. God, come and do what you do. I think we need to be a church which yearns for the Holy Spirit as one, but is willing to pay the price to please God and to save others. You see, like Jonah, whatever his intentions might be, he came to a point where he wanted to please God, yes, maybe out of the wrath of God or the anger, but for him, he wanted to please God and to a certain extent, save the people. But the same for us. Our lives surrendered means our life is to please God and our life is to save others. Church, the church of the future has to be built upon loving God and loving people. Always has been, always is, always will be. Just like how that man before the fish came and ate him. At that very last point, he told the guys, hey, throw me off. I'm the cause. I'm the solution to all this. I'm willing to pay the price. This was a totally different price from the fare that he paid when he got upon that ship. This was his entire life. He did not know that God was going to save him with that big fish, but he was willing to say, God, I'm going to please you. Whatever you say about Jonah, at that point of time, I do believe that he really surrendered to God. You see, church, we need to continue to love people. As church grows, 
as we continue on in life, you have new campus students. Campus students will become working adults. Working adults will become adults. <laughs> adults will become senior adults. <laughs> as life goes on, as church grows old, duh, we are not that old. As church grows older, there are things that we cannot neglect and there are things that we should hold on to with all our might. And I pray that these things are some of the things that we hold on to. As members of this church, we will always ensure that this will be a church that is founded, living, built on the Word of God. That we will not be distracted by what is on the outside. That we will not decide based on what is on the outside. And even if things are going well for us, we will not let that get to our head and decide based on what is going on the outside. But always be based on the Word of God to be firmly rooted, firmly grounded. That as members of this church, we will always be a church that unleashes potential. We will always be a church that empowers, will train and release. We will always be a church that disciples people. We will always be a church that sees potential in every single person, irrespective of who they are. The moment they walk in that door, they have a God calling, they have a God gifting and a talent upon their life, and they are here to serve God. They are here to build this house. Each and every person that walks through the door builds this house. We must be a church that unleash potential. And we must be a church that loves God and loves people. We must never forget that. The reason why we do church is these two things. Because we love God. Because we love people. We can have all the programs in the world. We can have the best musicians. We can have the best visuals. But at the end of the day, if people are being missed out, at the end of the day, if people are just sitting here in rows waiting for service to end, then I think we have missed the whole point of what church is. Church, we need to surrender more to God. When I was uh, a youth, there is this song, um, which is, uh, it goes... Okay, I'm not going to sing because my voice is already quiet already, so I <laughs> and I cannot sing. <laughs> um, it goes, I want to run to the altar and catch the fire. The next sentence always gets me. To stand in the gap between the living and the dead. Church, we are called to stand in the gap. To surrender our lives 
because we love God and because we love people to do whatever it takes to say I will be that bridge I will be that person with the potential with the ideas with the talents with the programs with the needs and the know-how to bring people who are dying to bring people to life and I pray it starts with knowing that we allow God to do what He wants to do in our life. To say to God, God, come and do what you want to do. We all bow our heads. As I was preaching, there was just this really strong, heavy impression that God placed upon my heart that there are people here who who God has spoken so clearly in your life of a certain plan, of a certain direction, but yet somehow by your choice or by circumstance or just by life, somehow you are on the journey to another place. It could be career. It could be something in your spiritual life. It could be coming into full time. It could be changing jobs. It could be asking that spouse of yours who's a non-believer to come to church. I want to encourage you with this. I believe that God is saying that, you know, my son, my daughter, that plan that I have for you, I want you to walk in it. It's time for you to get off that boat of escape and come back into my arms. Come back into this path which I've fashioned and I've ordained for you. Father, we pray that as a church, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for the many people that you have brought right here into this place. That Father, we pray that the season ahead God, we will be firmly rooted even so much more in the things that are of you. That God, even so much more, we will not be bothered by what is going on around us, but our focus and our sight, our vision will always be on you. Your word says to build your church. So God, here we are. Builders of harvest generation church. God, we offer up our talents, our giftings, our potentials, our ideas, our know-how, our creative talents to you. Father, we believe that God, that this will be a church that will continuously break down 
categories and boxes and teams and ministries of the past. But this will be a church that unleashes a God-given talent. That God, we will learn to empower, to disciple, to train and to release people to impact society, to impact the people out there. Church, would you stand? Last but not least, God, let us be a church that continuously surrenders to you. That day in, day out, week in, week out, service or not, God, we will learn to surrender to you. God, we will learn to open up our hearts. We will learn for you to come and fill our services, fill our teams, fill our people, fill this church. That God, you will do as you will. Come and do what you want to do, oh God. Harvest Generation Church is a clean slate for you to write your story, oh God. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.